God also has articles, and you're part of that process. You're part of those articles. Every person we read about, Lot, Noah, Moses, David, all these guys had choices. They choose to cleanse themselves from the dishonor that they had done, and you're faced with those same facts today. You and I are faced with those same very facts today. You have a choice to make today to either cleanse yourself from the things that are dishonorable or continue to do the things that are dishonorable. Would you ever bring your own plastic fork or knife when going to a wedding? Of course you wouldn't, because those are articles used at a barbecue or a casual event. At a wedding, there are champagne glasses and more honorable articles that are used. As Pastor Mark continues his teaching series through the book of 1 Samuel, he'll be explaining how just as the temple of God had articles used for honor and articles used for dishonor, We too are articles God wants to use, except God desires us to be used as articles of honor, not dishonor. We need to purpose to cleanse ourselves of everything dishonorable so that God can use us. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 22 with today's edition of Come Alive. One of the things that we all know that you tend to see a lot is that God will be declared through your life, but the question is, what does your life declare about God? And the way that you declare God, would you want someone to declare you in the same manner that you declare God? And what I mean by that is, if somebody were watching you and looking at you and said, okay, well, you know, this is a pretty great person, and you had uh, maybe a son or a daughter or a close friend that really honored you, and you said, hey, I want you to represent me at this thing, how they represent you, if it was you representing you, and so to speak, if you think about that. I mean, think about how you want someone to represent you. You'd want them to do all the right things. You'd want them to be that type of ambassador to do the things you would want them to do to, to display that image of you. Because, you know, a lot of people say image is everything. If you own a company or if you work for a company, you see certain images. McDonald's has the big golden arches. Other companies have different logos and they display that. But also not only that is their image, but the employee. Think about the employee in Walmart's parking lot that's moving the shopping carts around and you drive up and you see one of those guys beating an old person up that's in a wheelchair and what would you think? That they hired the best for that job? No, that that would kind of scar and mar their image of being a friendly place where the little smiley face is. It'd be the smiley face with a black eye or whatever. And so, you know, how do you declare God through your life? What does that look like? Is it pleasing? Do other people see that? When somebody sees you, do they say, oh, you're a Christian? Or do they say, well, I don't know what you stand for. How is God made manifest in one's life as they choose to do his will or even as they walk from his will? You know, think about that. Second Timothy, if you want to turn there, you're going to put your thumb in First um, Samuel. Turn to Second Timothy. Second Timothy 2.20 
says, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house and ready for every good work. When we read that, we have to ask ourselves, well, what is Paul saying? And when you look at this, Paul is saying, when you look at any home, if you walked into any one of your houses, you would be able to see articles, stuff that's honorable and dishonorable. For instance, if you have a brand new newborn baby, you'd see a diaper genie if you walk into their room. If you have dogs, there might be a pail set aside on the outside of that house for refuse. You guys are amazed that I didn't say poop. Anyway... So you would see those things. Those would be articles of dishonorable use. If you invited someone over, you wouldn't put the diaper genie in the middle of the living room and be like, oh, look at this wonderful diaper genie. Let's open it up. I mean, that thing is filthy and disgusting when you open it up, but it does a job. And then there are those other articles in the house that are for honorable use. The fine china, my big jar for sweet tea. And you break those things out when company comes over. See, our homes have garbage cans. When you open the lid, you can smell the dishonor. And so then there are those things of honor, the china, your favorite glass. And so the things of dishonor would never sit in the living room. They'd never be brought out when company comes over. But the things of honor are brought out when company comes over. And the reason you do that is because you want to honor your company. So what are your favorite glass, you know, and and that garbage container. Well, those are articles here. And the house of God also has articles. And you're part of that process. You're part of those articles. Every person we read about, Lot, Noah, Moses, David, all these guys had choices. They choose to cleanse themselves from the dishonor that they had done. And you're faced with those same facts today. You and I are faced with those same very facts today. You have a choice to make today to either cleanse yourself from the things that are dishonorable or continue to do the things that are dishonorable. And some people don't know that there's a difference. You know, before I was a Christian, I was an atheist. I didn't grow up in a Christian household. I did all kinds of bad stuff. I I wasn't too bad and I wasn't too good. And the Bible tells us that if you're not born again, you don't see heaven. And it's either true or it's not. And so you have to think, you know, if Jesus is, is one of a few things, he's either the Lord, he's a lunatic, or he's a liar. And people say that, well, you know, Jesus is a good man. Well, a good man wouldn't lie, would he? Would he? And, and a good man wouldn't really be a lunatic. He might be a nice guy, but a lunatic, really? I mean, why would people follow a lunatic? And you're like, well, they do it all the time, but they're soon found out. Who would die for a lunatic? Who would continue to die for a lunatic? Or he could be Lord. It could be everything he says is true. And we've seen and we've proven in the Bible how those things come true. How we've talked one day about how science constantly catches up to the Bible. How when science said the world was flat 3,000 years before that was ever thought of, the Bible had told us it was round. And how in the Bible it talks about thousands of years before Israel becomes a nation again... It talked about that the people coming back into the land. So we see these prophecies. We see these things that happen that are true. 
And so again, there are some in the body of Christ who will choose to walk away from the perfect will of God. They speak of God's judgment and it speaks of God's dishonor. They'll walk away from it. And in the same way, there are some that if they continue to rebel and resist, the same spirit that saved them, they speak concerning God's wrath as well. And so you you think about that. But the amazing thing is, is if we're willing to repent and stay on a path, we as Christians, that's who I'm talking to now, if we as Christians stay on that path as we repent and become those vessels of grace, we can be that honorable object. We're all going to blow it. Now, a lot of people who don't go to church and say, man, they're full of hypocrites. Of course they are. So is the world. Anybody know anyone that's kept their word perfectly their whole life? How many of you, and once again, we, we do, we've said the New Year's resolution thing, and I think I've only ever seen one person raise their hand and say, yeah, I've kept it all the way through. I've done it all the way through. And it's like, man, that's awesome. Uh, but what other things have you not done all the way through? Or where else have you failed? Have you blown it recently? Yeah, we're a hypocrite. And we're all hypocrites. And so, but what we're doing is just like our little video says, is God's just piecing us back together again. And it's a process. It's not something that happens overnight. It's not fast. And so looking at David and Saul, contrasting their lives as we always do here, we see that both had choices. And we learn from reading about their mistakes. It's a guide. The Bible is a guide as to what we can do and what we can't do or what we shouldn't do. And a lot of people think, you know, well, you guys are religious. And we always say, we're not religious. I'm not religious. I just happen to have a relationship. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when we think about that, we're to look at this and look at the Bible and say, man, you know, we can take this example here and see what not to do. We can learn from someone else's mistakes. We can learn those lessons. And so we can cleanse our lives of the past and we can look forward to a future. And if you believe in your heart that God has chosen to call you to to do this, then you can honor his character by doing it. Look at verse 1. It says, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. That name, Adullam, means refuge. A few weeks ago, David was trying to find a place to, to rest, to soothe himself. Remember, he went to the tabernacle and he hung out with the priests. And so he goes there. And we talked about that as like people who have this tough spot in their life and they show up at church and they're looking for something because they just need to feel good. They just need to feel good about themselves. And so they show up and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, you know, that was all right. So they don't really find satisfaction. They just find a little bit of soothing. And then we saw how David went and he, he goes to, to the priest and he grabs the bread off the, off the showbread table and he gets to have that. So now he's got some food. He's going to feed his stomach and that satisfies a hunger for a little while, but it doesn't satisfy the hunger permanently. And so he's got food and he lies about needing it for his men that he doesn't have with him. And so we see David going there, and we compared that to sometimes we run to different things. Maybe we do run to the table to eat because we have, you know, comfort food. It's funny that we have comfort food, that we have to find comfort in food, but yet we can't find comfort in God. Yet we will substitute God with food, macaroni and cheese, so to speak, maybe some ramen noodles, a big ham sandwich. And yet we find that David still doesn't find satisfaction in that. And then what's he do? He runs to Gath, to the king of Gath, and he hangs out with him for a little bit. And we talked about who 
the king, that king was? Well, remember David killed Goliath and Goliath was from Gath. And so now we see that David can't even find satisfaction because he can't find satisfaction really anywhere. He just finds some soothing, but he realizes that this isn't good enough. It doesn't last, that there's this uneasiness. And so he runs to his enemy thinking that he's going to get an ear with this guy maybe even possibly a job, and then he realizes what he's done, and he has to pretend he's gone crazy. He starts drooling and spitting all over his beard, is what the scriptures have told us. And then he realizes, man, that's not the best thing to do. And so he leaves. And so again, David goes to uh, the world, so to speak, and when we look at the king, if we're going to symbolize and compare him as a type of something. So he goes to the world, he goes to his friends, and or who he thought was his friends, and he doesn't even find satisfaction there. And so now we're at this point here. It says, David therefore departed. He departed from Gath. He goes to this cave called Adullam, which is called, and it's translated in the Hebrew, the word Adullam in Hebrew means refuge. He goes to that place and he hangs out. And we see this today. You know, we see people doing this today, people running everywhere else except to God. But notice where David winds up, in a dark cave. In a dark cave. And so this was a well-known place in Judah. It was where a lot of people, if they were homeless, they would go to these to this area. And there would be these caves, these, you know, what you would say you're living off the grid nowadays, you know, in a cave. It's about 15 miles from Bethlehem, from David's hometown. And again, David seeks refuge in a dark cave. And we see so far that he's all alone. It's interesting that Psalm 57 and Psalm 142 were written while David was in this cave to show something is happening. A deep work is going on in his soul. If you guys would turn with me to Psalm 57. To Psalm 57. Psalm 57, right underneath it, and maybe in your Bibles, it'll say to the chief musician set to, and it's do not destroy is what it's set to, a victim of David when he fled from Saul into the cave. It says, verse 1, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. I will cry out, God, most high, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue is a sharp sword. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down, and they have dug a pit before me. Into the midst of it they themselves have fallen. My heart is steadfast, O God, my heart is steadfast, and I will sing and give praise. Awake, my glory, awake, lute and harp, I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples, and I will sing to you among the nations, for your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be above all the earth. And so here when we see this, all of us, when you think about this, all of us, all of us want to be comfortable. We all want comfort. We all like comfort. And I've said it before, we live in a country, and we we often don't think about the other countries, but we live in a country that creates and makes things for comfort. Recliners and soft couches and some of these chairs might be a little more comfortable in the front than the ones in the back, but that's what you get for being here late. And so 
There's that comfort we all have. Our cars have air conditioning. Our houses have air conditioning. And there are people in the world that live without that in hotter places than we live. You wouldn't know it, but there is a place called that. And, and, and they live and it's hot and they don't have that comfort. But we all know comfort. But God knows our souls do not grow in times of comfort. Do you know that? Oh, we do not grow in times of comfort. So when we stop running from God, we can find the answers. Uh, sometimes we don't know the answers. Well, why is this happening in the world? And why is this happening in the world? Well, stop running and you will find those answers. God will put you in places where his work can be done. And he takes David and he allows him to be chased. And he allows David to go to these different places, to the tabernacle and to the priests. And then all of a sudden to his enemy's king. And now he allows him to go to this cave. But see, here's the deal. When we're running, when we're those kind of people in those dark places, and and you may be and feel as if you're in one of those dark places in your life today, but know this, you're in very good company in that place because God does deep work in those dark places. Sometimes, just like Moses, you know, you have to think. Moses goes out and he's walking around he sees these two guys fighting and he kills the Egyptian guy. And he freaks out because he thinks somebody saw him and he goes and, and he hides in the wilderness for 40 years and it's in that place. Though it's not really super dark there, but it's a lonely place. And so God does a work there. God meets with him when he's all alone. And it's the same for you and I. Sometimes we fill our lives, we fill our, our minds, we fill our days with things. So we're never really alone because, well, I think we know what's really going to happen. That we're going to really have to deal with the situation. And a lot of you know me, and I tell you all the time, when things go bad and go wrong in my life, my first go-to is a nap. I just want to sleep. I just want to shut down, close my eyes, and deal with it later. But the problem is when I wake up, I still got to deal with it. Sometimes I sleep better when I deal with it beforehand instead of trying to put it off. And so, again, God does deep work in those hard, dark places. David's alone in a cave. And it's not until he finds himself alone physically that he realizes he's not really alone. And none of us are really alone as a Christian. It always tells us, and the Bible tells us, that God's Spirit is always there. You can't run from God's Spirit. You can ignore it. You can quench it. You can try to run, but you won't escape it. And so you certainly can allow so many sounds to drown out God's voice, and you're going to miss out on that sweetness of His Spirit as He speaks. And sometimes that happens. Look at the second half of verse 1. It says, So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. In verse 2, And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. Sounds like Calvary Katie right there. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. So here's this. Only after he got alone with God, only after he really started speaking to God, And his spirit was refreshed that God sent him his family, his brothers. And his family may have been sent by God. And maybe also God did this by through Saul. You know, sometimes God works in those very natural ways supernaturally. He he allows certain things to happen so supernatural things can happen. And so maybe Saul is threatening his parents. Maybe they're knocking on the door and they got the stakeout chariot sitting out front watching David's house. See if David returns there. And so maybe that's, that's what's going on. But nonetheless, his family comes. 
His family comes. That means David's brothers deserted. When you think about it, they deserted Saul's army. Remember they were in the army? So they packed up and they're like, hey man, we're out of here, bro. Or we're not hanging out in, in this place anymore. Because this dude's gone crackers and he's chasing our brother and he's trying to kill him. And, and, and my little brother David has done nothing but help. He's killed a giant when nobody else, when the whole army just stood there with their fingers in their mouth going, uh-oh. And so why would, they, why would he do this? And so they, they desert. They leave and they become fugitives. And so here's the crazy thing, that this didn't happen until after David spent time looking for the Lord. Now turn with me back to the Psalms, to Psalm 142. That's another one. Psalm 142. And we'll look there, and that should be the last time we have to turn somewhere, I think. Psalm 142. And then this one underneath the Psalm, in some of your Bibles might say, a contemplation of David while he was in the cave. And this would be the cave. It says, I cry out to the Lord with my voice, and with my voice to the Lord I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path and the way in which I walk. They have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low, and deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name. The righteous shall sound surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. And so here again, David, he, he, he's talking to God. He pours out his complaint. And I think a lot of times we as Christians try to pretend that we have no complaints and I would say, man, that's a wrong way to be because, I mean, I complain to God all the time. I can complain to my wife about certain things, and she'll just kind of look at me and like, well, bro, what can I do? There's nothing I can do about that. But who can? Well, God can. So go talk to God. See, too often we look to our friends and our family and, and, and of God, and we say, you know, no one's, gonna, no one's talking to me. I'm here at church and I feel alone. And sometimes God's like, hey, man, I'm not going to send you any friends until you get alone with me. Until you come and you hang out with me, I'm going to let you feel alone. I'm going to let you feel like you're by yourself until you and I deal with the things that are at hand. And so only I can strengthen your spirit. Your friends can't do it. They might make you feel good for a little while, but your friends can't strengthen your spirit. And so today, this week, you may come face to face with some real trouble. I don't know what that would be or a real tragedy. And God's looking for you to be alone with him. And that's what he created us for, is for. Again, for that relationship. Not for us to reach up and try to grab him, but for us just to have a relationship. Just to be able to hang out and say, hey, man, here I am, Lord. Here I am, your son. My, when my son comes in and says, hey, Dad, can I ask you a question? Man, I totally love that. Because I'm like, yeah, man, come on in. Hang out. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go, making hearing the Word so much more convenient. 
Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new editions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. We're a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.